Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to the Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Last season, we geared you up with a ton of different topics and ethical dilemmas to think about in the medical field. And on this season of the podcast, we're taking you behind the scenes of live MMI mock stations that we run for our students who are about to sit their med interviews. So stay tuned for a new station each week and hear a handful of our future med students give it a good old crack. Today on Station 3, we have one of our University of Melbourne examiners here at Hallard, Jack, interviewing one of our aspiring med students, Jess. Before we hit record, we give each student three minutes to read the station and they have eight minutes to respond. And today, the station that just read was this. You are a GP and supposed to finish your shift in five minutes, but still have four patients left waiting in the waiting room. You calculate that you can get through the remaining patients within the next hour and then head home, meaning you'll be able to make it in time for a family event you promised your partner that you'd be able to make. Just prior to seeing one of these patients, the local nursing home calls you to tell you that Mrs. Andrews is failing dramatically. You've been looking after her and her family for over a decade. Mrs. Andrews and her family had previously agreed to a do not resuscitate order, a DNR, so that when she became ill again, she could die comfortably but without intervention. The family is now questioning whether they made the right decisions and want to discuss this with you as soon as possible. Now, the first question that Jack asked was, what factors are important in this situation and why? And here is Jess's response. So there's obviously myself as the GP. Uh, I've got a family event to go to and I can if I, if I leave quite soon. Um, but uh, there's a patient that that needs me and their family need to um, discuss things with me that are quite time sensitive. Uh, so there's really myself to consider here. So I'm having to kind of weigh up um, seeing my family and going to this important event and also kind of fulfilling my duty of care for Mrs. Andrews and also for her family. So it extends to the, the family and not just the patient. Um, so there is myself, of course. Um, there's also my partner. Um, being a GP, I'm sure that I've put them in quite a few situations where I haven't been able to turn up in the past when I've previously said that I could. Um, so I'm sure that might be hard for them to kind of deal with. And I hope that upon discussing with them the situation, they might understand if I did decide to go ahead and help Mrs. Andrews. Um, and surely um, I'd hope that that would be quite empathetic and understand where I'm coming from. And that I might be late, I could still turn up. Um, there's also Mrs. Andrews, of course, so she's fallen ill again and um, could be quite scared and um, uh I suppose having her primary caring doctor there would help her through that. And given that her family wanted to change their decision on the do not resuscitate um, directive, discussing that with them as soon as possible to kind of put them at ease that they haven't, um, that they can make an informed decision about what they want to do with their loved one. Um, I think is also something that really needs to be considered here because they would be quite scared feeling that they made the wrong decision and they don't want to kind of live with that burden. So those are the um, people that need to be considered in this situation. Yep. 
Um, why is time management critical for doctors? Yes. Unfortunately, Jess's audio didn't catch, but this is the second half of her response. Okay, who do I need to see first? Who needs these resources quicker than somebody else? So there are a lot of things to kind of grapple with in your mind and thinking on your feet in a high-stress environment is a really difficult thing to do and I guess comes with a lot of practice. So, yeah, it's a very important thing uh, because you are in an environment that requires it almost all the time. What strategies do you think successful doctors use so they can manage their time effectively? Right. Um, I believe effective doctors would use organisation skills. So I, I believe that all doctors are very organised because they seem to um, stay on task, get the important things done and make sure that they are where they need to be at the right time. So there's those basic organisational skills that you kind of build up over time through university, through experience, um, that I think are very important. And that also comes back to what I was saying before about having to triage things based on importance. And that also comes with experience. Um, you can't really gauge how important and severe something is until you've seen it and you know, um, okay, this needs my attention right away. So I guess that's also an experience thing. It's something you would learn in medical school too. Um, suppose on top of personal organization there's also being able to be in a supportive and collaborative team environment where you know that you can mobilize a team if you need to you can seek help from others if you can't cope on so with something on your own and um you can't possibly see a way to get all of this done by yourself so it, it is good having that really close-knit team and having a network of people to um gain help from when you need it. So I suppose effective teamwork and um, collaborative, collaborative environment, but also that personal organisational skill set. Uh, just returning back to the scenario in the STEM, what would you do in this situation? Yes. So as I mentioned previously, there are a lot of people to consider in this situation. Um, if it were me in the situation, I would make sure that I tended to Mrs. Andrews and her family because it is a very time sensitive and severe thing. There is a life at stake and um, the family's emotional well-being at stake as well. So every minute of time spent waiting is extra stress on them, um, which I'm sure would be like so difficult for them to deal with. Um, added on top of the fact that their family member is really unwell again, so what I would do is call up my partner and tell them, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, but there's something that I need to attend to. Tell them, tell them a little bit about the situation and hope that they would understand and say, you know what, I'll, I'll try to make the event a bit late if I can, but if not, you know, I'm really sorry. And I just really hope that um, being a GP that they would have probably experienced this before. So um, hope that they'd be on board with that. Um, and I would try to make it up to them somehow. Um, and then, yeah, I would uh, go see Mrs. Andrews, talk to her family, make them feel a bit comfortable and tell them, you know, um, um, don't stress about it. I'm sure we can make changes to the prior arrangements and kind of talk them through it and make sure that they're making an informed decision. And if Mrs. Andrews is able to join in, then, of course, getting her input as well. Yeah. Um, so those are the four questions. Uh, you've got a little bit of time left. Is there anything else you'd like to add to any of your answers? 
Sure. Um, I suppose in these types of scenarios where you're asked to uh, prioritize, uh, choose between prioritizing yourself and somebody else, it's very easy in a theoretical situation to say that you'd prioritize um, the person who seems most disadvantaged in the situation. That's time. So I have to cut you off there. Oh, so that's your eight minutes. Thanks. Perfect. All right. So debriefing on that. Yeah. Um, before we do that, I do want to hear from you first. So just reflecting on how you just went, how did you think, or yeah, how did you think you went? I think I did okay. I suppose with this scenario, it was quite easy to use like a stakeholders approach because there were so many stakeholders. So it was kind of a little bit easier to flesh out a response, which was nice. Um, mm -hmm. I know sometimes when there are only two, it's a bit difficult. Um, mm. So I think, I think it was okay from that standpoint. I guess um, I'm hoping that I covered, covered the ethical pillars and, and tried to consider all the nuances. I know it's, you can't consider everything, but kind of enough to give like a well-rounded response. I, I hope I didn't repeat myself at all. I think I might have covered something that was asked in a follow-up previously and I might have said it again kind of about how my like situation with a partner and having maybe experienced something similar in the past. Um, so I guess maybe not wasting time and saying that again, I would probably say as alluded to previously or something, but yeah. Um, Cause I guess it's just a bit of a waste of time if you've already said it and it's not adding anything, making sure I'm not repeating myself. Something I would try to work on. Yeah, I'll just just a few of the things you just said. So um, in terms of repeating yourself, I don't think you did that. I didn't get the impression that you were repeating yourself okay. um, because the questions, even though were, uh, the context in which we provided the questions were quite similar, hmm. um, there were still uh, differences in the way you've answered it. So okay. I think you're referring to the first question and the last question when you're talking about the, uh, the partner's position. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is... You know, you are following the same vein, but at the same time, you are fleshing out in different ways. So the first question, you were just thinking about uh, the the partner's position and how the scenario that you're that you're currently in is facing them. Whereas in the last bit, you're just, you're focusing more about how you would handle the situation with them and what you would physically be doing. So I don't think you're repeating yourself there. Um, and it's definitely fine just to reiterate some of the points that you were making from your previous question because they are quite important in. Uh, your justification of why you're doing that in the first place. Mm. Uh, yeah. So regarding these, your stakeholder approach. Yeah. I think you, I think that really helped with your structure for your answers. I think um, your answers are all structured really well. It was really easy for me to follow your thought process. And I could tell you, you know, you were considering um, this situation from uh, many different points of view. So from yourself, uh, for the partner, uh, for Mrs. Andrews and obviously their family as well. Yeah. So that was really easy for me to follow, which um, is great because having a good structure to responses uh, just makes things a lot easier for the examiners to understand where you're heading. Yeah. Uh, good. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is we'll go through each question bit mm -hmm. by bit and uh, yeah, we'll cover what you did well, what you could uh, improve on and, and stuff like that. So we'll start with the first question. So the first question, I'll just re read this for you. So that was what factors are important in this situation and why. Yeah. So I think overall you did a really good job here. So this is where you took your stakeholder approach. So considering the point of view from everyone involved and how any action that you take would affect them. So I think your logical reasoning there 
was great. And your logical reasoning as in general, I think is a good strength of yours because you showed that throughout all, all four of your answers as well. So yeah, I liked how you considered yourself, your partner, your patient and the family, um, particularly considering that this would understandably be, understandably be quite a difficult time for Mrs. Andrews and their family and they must be quite stressed out at the moment. Mm-hmm. So um, you definitely showed good empathy there in just understanding the situation that they're in. In terms of just further stakeholders you could possibly think of, just to flesh out the answer a bit more, um, the STEM was a little long, but they did talk about the fact that there were other patients in that GP clinic as well. So whatever action you take would uh, possibly be affecting them as well. Uh, It could delay the time that you have to see them. Um, They might be having some sort of serious condition as well that might need urgent attention and things like that. So these are further things that you could think about, just exploring uh, other stakeholders. Um, and if you have even more time, you could even go a little bit further than that. So beyond just the immediate people involved, and you could just think about uh, other health, like the, the healthcare clinic, like the actual GP clinic itself. Um, mm. That can count as a stakeholder, particularly if patients start to get unhappy with the delays that they're experiencing, because yeah. no one likes no one likes having to wait a long time to see the doctor. Yeah. Um, and then that could have further implications on just their trust in the healthcare system in the future and things like that. So yeah, that's just uh, some further things you could explore um, when you're thinking about the stakeholders. Yeah. Cool. All right. So for this next two questions, I th- they were a little bit tricky. So why is time management critical for doctors? And what strategies do you think doctors use? Now, I I have to be honest here, if I had those questions, I would be a little bit thrown off because I would be thinking very specifically about that scenario and nothing else. Um, But yeah, so this STEM itself covered a variety of different themes. So not only was it just a personal ethics style question where you're put in a dilemma yourself, but it was also just more, it's exploring a broader sense of what it's like to be a doctor and what challenges you could possibly face. The theme that this STEM was highlighting there is one of them being time management. You only have limited time and what are you going to do in that time? Mm. So um, that's why they asked, that's why it focused a little bit on time management and uh, what do you think you could do in the future to help uh, with that time management? So specifically with your second question, why is time management critical for doctors? I think you, uh, you didn't quite answer the question. The question, yeah, specifically asking why is it critical? I think you you kind of went, you kind of circled it, but you didn't quite actually answer the questions uh, particularly, uh, like specifically. So um, you started off by saying that you can be, it's hard to, understanding that it's hard to prioritise different tasks and, and the importance of triaging, you know, information so that you can uh, provide the most effective care that you can. Um, I think that's a good starting point. But yeah, so with, with questions that, kind of throw it off a little bit that I kind of left field. Um, it doesn't hurt just to take a breath, just to take a few seconds, just to try and think about um, what the question is asking and try and answer that question directly. Um, I understand that obviously when you're under time conditions, you can feel a bit stressed out and a bit flushed and you just want to try and talk for as much as you can. Uh, yeah. But sometimes taking a few seconds just to take a breath, think about the question, think about how you're going to structure a response, that would uh, really help as, as well. So it's not always just how many words you can say, it's the quality of those words that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so there are a few, you know, reasons why time management is critical. So some of them is, like what you said before, trying to get through all the patients within a reasonable amount of time. As as a doctor, a lot of people are relying on you. So you are part of the team. So if you are disorganised, that could mean your entire team becomes disorganised and then that could affect 
how well the entire clinic or the entire hospital could run as well. You do have a lot of responsibility being a doctor, so being uh, able to manage your time is quite uh, a critical skill that you need to have. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, yeah. And yeah. I, was, I was kind of talking about like how like it affects you as well, like balance, like work-life balance. Mm, well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're good things that I should have spoken about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Um, you're not expected to get everything down you're not yeah. expected to know everything yeah. um, because it's very hard to, to be able to do that in that time that you have good okay so um, what strategies do you think successful doctors use so they can manage the time effectively um, what I recommend with questions like these so you will get a few questions like these that are a little bit more personal where it's you know what what do you think doctors can do to manage their time effectively or how do you think doctors can handle certain situations that might be heartbreaking and things like that or stressful going along that theme um what i think you could do just to help once again structure your response and have something to talk about is just think about what you do now because what you do now a lot of the time you can just apply in the future as well so now time management is something that i'm sure is really important to you and i'm sure you have strategies that you implement to make sure that you know you can manage your time effectively and get all the tasks that you need to get done done so just think about what you do so for, for me for example i have a calendar so i use a calendar i write down what i need to get done every single day um, i have my timetable and my schedule and everything on there so i know what each day holds and what i need to get done each day i'm sure a doctor will, i'm sure plenty of doctors will do that as well yeah yeah, so a lot of the things that you do right now are definitely applicable in the future. Thinking about that, that can possibly help you um, just get a few ideas straight away and just help structure that response a little bit more. So those two, the so questions two and three, they were more just personal questions just asking about you or a little bit more about you. Uh, and the last question, what would you do in the situation? That's very clearly um, based on the ethics of this uh, of the question. I like how you structured your response. So I like how it was almost like a step-by-step -step process. Like you, you walked us through a timeline of what you'd be doing. And I think that's a great way to structure any type of question that asks you, what should you do in this scenario or what should this person do? And that just makes it really clear for the examiners to understand your pro your thought process and where you're trying to get to at the end of, at the, end of the day, basically. Yeah. One thing that I'd recommend or I suggest you think about as well when you're answering these questions, um, it kind of stems back from the first question when you think about the stakeholders, is how will your actions affect other stakeholders as well? You definitely talk, you talked about the partner, which is really good. Obviously talked about the family and Mrs. Andrews, who are, I guess, the main, the main what, the, what the question is mainly focusing on. Mm -hmm. But if you think a little bit broader, there are still patients that are waiting for your care. Um, so what are you going to do? What do, what do? How are you going to um, address that? And also, um, yeah, just the overall health clinic itself. Maybe the receptionist can play a role in just managing uh, things around the clinic while you're away. Maybe there are other GPs around in the clinic that can help you out and things like that. Yeah. So um, it was a long stem, so there was a lot to think about there. Uh, yeah, it would be helpful to think about some uh, other stakeholders that are involved and how your actions will affect them. So similar to question one, that I think that stakeholder approach is a good way to think about what you would do because any action that you take in these scenarios is going to affect a lot of people. Okay. So um, just going walking through how to um, approach or how to talk to each uh, one of these stakeholders uh, can help you just build that timeline a little mm -hmm. bit more and help that examiner understand that logic that you are carrying with you when you're answering that response. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions? Like in general about how I went that you think I should improve upon in these last three or so weeks? 
So there's a few uh, broader things that I'm looking for when I, when I hear an answer. Mm. So they, they cover things, for example, like communication, logical reasoning, uh, the structure of your response and the actual content, the, 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 your opinions and your ideas that you're offering. Yeah. Um, so that, so that those are things I'm looking out for when I want to listen to you uh, speak. I think there's, there's nothing wrong with your communication. I think your communication is great. I think you're, you're very clear with the way you speak. Um, it's not, it, it is a formal setting. Interviews are a formal setting, but at the same time, it's still very conversational. Yeah. And I think, you're, I think you've got that balance really well. Yeah, like I said before, your logical reasoning is great. I think that ties into your structure as well. So if your logical reasoning is really sound and you're, un, and you're able to break down scenarios and then provide um, a logical response, then that naturally just helps with the structure of your response as well. Yeah. the the content that you were providing i think that was great yeah just like i said before there's a few extra things that i think you could flesh out and explore yeah. a little bit more but in considering the time you had i think you did a really good job of that and uh, i just want you to remember that you're not expected to be able to get everything like you're not yeah. expected to be able to analyze the entire situation and think of everything because yeah. one you have no time and two i mean you're not a doctor yet so um, they just want to, they just, uh, what we're just really looking for is um, your thought process, how you're breaking down the situation. So we're not expecting to hear everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think just uh, going from today, I think a few pointers you can take with you. Uh, one, like I said before, uh, trying to explore uh, some other stakeholders that might ne- not necessarily be completely obvious just yeah. from the STEM itself. Uh, two, if you are stuck at a particular question, don't be afraid just to take a few seconds, um, take a deep breath and try and think about what the question is asking. And even if your answer is not going to be particularly long, I mean, not particularly detailed, um, just because you actually just don't know what to say, even if you, as long as you directly answer the question, um, I don't think the length of the response would matter as much. Yeah. Lastly, if uh, try and think about your own life experiences because your own life, you, your You've had plenty of life experience so far, so I'm sure you can draw on some of those anecdotes and help you um, just think about the themes of the question and uh, give yourself some ideas on how to answer them. Yeah, no, those are really good points. I guess two seconds of silence feels like a long time when you know that the time is kind of ticking. It definitely is. I've been in your situation before and I know exactly what that's like. Yeah, and I've been practising the Melbourne timings, which is one and five. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not a yeah. lot of time. <laughs> um, and I think uh, in generally the Melbourne scenarios won't be, there won't be as many things to get through as these ones. So the longer time you have, the more detailed these scenarios usually are, um, just because you just purely have more time to talk about things. There was a lot going on and Jess had a good go. If you're also MMI prepping like Jess and want feedback on where to improve, I'll keep leaving a link to our mock MMI rounds in the show notes below so you don't miss out on enrolling in our MMI circuits for this year. And I'll see you at the next station.